Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here inside TCO Performance Center with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, we have ourselves a large, important football contest. That's exciting. Yeah, it's the return that everyone's talking about that's not Tom Brady going back to Foxborough, right? Yeah, right. Like this is, I don't know, the 1B option is what we'll call it. The early slate of games that's the big one because Kevin Stefanski comes back to Minnesota after you know he wins coach of the year in his first year in Cleveland and is he going to stick it to Mike Zimmer is Zimmer going to pull out all the tricks and exotic blitzes and everything else to try to school the kid that was on his staff I don't know there's a lot of weird storylines with this game um but yeah it's huge we're already four weeks into this thing which is nuts when you think about how quickly the season's gone and just kind of where things stand for both of these teams. Like, I'm, it's probably the most excited I've been for a football game for this team in probably two years. Okay, so I was going to throw this by you. Uh, our friend Will Reggett's retweeted something, and I'm going to try to pull it up here to make, a, to make your point stronger, um, that it's been 640-something days for the Vikings since they were above 500, mm-hmm. which is the fifth most days since they had a day that they were above 500 which i know is like the goofiest most convoluted stat but it tells you think about how long it's been since this team had a game that was truly important i mean okay chicago last year to get maybe the seven seed okay all right was that it was that exciting to people uh, I, don't, I don't know if it really was. It was sort of like if you beat Chicago, maybe you make the playoffs, but this team clearly is not good last year. And then they just go and, and get whipped in New Orleans. But this one, because there is so much season left to go, it would be one of those wins that sort of puts the gas pedal down and says, okay, those first two weeks were fluky and you are actually good and now people should take you seriously. Mm-hmm. And because of when the buy falls this year, we're a couple weeks away from that. So the outcome of what happens against Cleveland, if you're 2-2 two and two going into Detroit and then on the road to close it out before the bye week at Carolina, like you could be – you know, four and two going into the bye or potentially you're one and five, two and four. Like there's a lot of different outcomes that this game could spark. And I just, I mean, I don't feel like there's been a bigger game for the Vikings, an early season game for the Vikings than this one. And I know we've talked about the last few weeks and those were the games where they had to right the ship before it like sunk this one actually feels like the, the in terms of like the direction of the early season because again, week seven they're off and if things are not looking like hey this is a playoff team by week seven or one that could at least be a late season push or trend that way, then I think that you could see changes made. But you know, I think also too that ride the momentum that you have. Like you don't want to like lose to the Browns after like this whole week of wow, Kirk Cousins is the MVP of the league, and <laughs> right, you right. know everything's great. The offense is like super duper explosive and yards and points and you know things, and things. then it's like oh, they are who they thought they were. <laughs> and that is exactly the feeling that has happened so many times here within the last how many years? Really, like three years and then plus like going to Arizona, missing the kick. 
that was one that we sort of said, okay, you can bounce back. I mean, the opener, the same thing. Like, here you go, Cincinnati. They're giving you an easy team, which mm-hmm. maybe looks a little less easy. Yeah, I mean, after Thursday night football. Uh, but, I mean, Jaguars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jaguars. And, they, and, and the zero. Bears, too, they beat. So, like, it's not exactly, you know, a ton of great wins for Cincinnati. But you could play that day that game all day long. It's mm-hmm. like, well, they beat them, so they're better than them. And they beat, you know, whatever. And you'll just drive yourself crazy. But uh, think about, like, go back to – 2018 going down to Green Bay in week two after they get a big win against San Francisco and how much energy that game had going into it. And they get behind, they come back, it's a crazy game, there's a bunch of missed kicks, and then they come home and play Buffalo, and it's just like, what just happened? It's one of the biggest like upsets uh, you know, versus the Vegas line that we've seen in the NFL in sure. years. And then they go out to L.A. and it's, well, let, let's, you know, bounce back in this big game in national TV in L.A. It is a disappointing loss. Uh, maybe Philadelphia 2018, Philadelphia 2019 for games that were like really hyped up mm-hmm. and were a ton of excitement building up to them. And then the Vikings came through. And it felt like last week was that. But I'm not convinced that that happening last week against Seattle means that it will happen again against Cleveland. It's just it made me think about how few games last year we got to have this feeling about. And uh, I mean, that like that's what happens when you dig yourself in such an early season hole because you're playing catch up to get to the point where you're like, okay. We're finally we finally evened our own playing field. Now we can start getting excited for games, and now we can start saying, "Okay, that's the big one. That's the one you must win." Because if you're playing catch up the whole season, like you know, they were coming out of the bye last year when it's like, "Okay, nice win in Green Bay, great job," and then you know, for the whole rest of the next few weeks, they're trying to just get back to 500. Right. Like to go to two and four. Who yeah, can get excited exactly. About that? Like, yeah. but. You know, get to 500 now, be two and two going into week five, where I don't know if we were supposed to get these already, but like the lines for week five have already come out. Typically, that doesn't happen until the slate of games are over on Sunday. But like they're already opening as eight point favorites, uh, according to the Vegas line against Detroit, which wow. a little maybe a little surprising just because Detroit played Baltimore in week three really hard in the mm-hmm. second half and came back and it's you know Justin Tucker Justin Tucker like a 66 yard field goal is you know what can you do at that point but I don't think Detroit's that bad like yeah maybe I'll bite my word you know be eating my words after week four and and how they you know come out this week but I was a little surprised to see that but then again that just shows you okay the outside perceptions that you have all this momentum you're figuring it out right and that you can be a good team like, you know, play from ahead. Like, it has got to be exhausting to constantly be, like, one game below 500, back at 500, right. one game below 500, back at 500, and then trying just to get one game above. And, and I guess that's what's interesting is it feels like from a lot of Vikings fans and the conversation around this team, like the Seattle win was worth several wins. Like, that that's how yeah. it felt in terms of, like, morale-wise. I think if they had Probably lost... Probably because they lost the first two games by a combined four points, right? right? Like, right. that's got to be where the magnitude of the Seattle win and just kind of the feel of it comes into play. Exactly. So it feels like, well, this is who we really are. And that's why the lead-up to this game and the hype-up to this game is so interesting to me is that 
coming off of what happened last week, there seems to be a belief that this team is actually better than their record Mm -hmm. and that they have an opportunity to beat one of the best teams in the NFL and then sort of take off from here. And, of course, you were there in 2017 when they beat Chicago. And then that seemed to be this sort of slingshot win uh, into the second half. I mean, the... I don't know whether momentum is real or not is hard to say, but I think that confidence is real and belief that you can win with Case Keenum, for example, was real. And uh, that team gelling together and becoming a great defense and finding their identity as a running team with Case Keenum and so forth, uh, you know, all of that came together after. And what we've seen so far is sort of a disjointed team that. Uh, has trouble at times on defense, then comes up big on defense. And then on the offensive side, had its really poor moments to open the season and then had a great game uh, last week, and uh, but against the poor defense, so now they play a good defense. Like I yeah. think this is one of those where we just have a great sense of where this 2021 season goes because of this game. No, I don't disagree. I think that, I mean, they're playing a really good opponent. This is a great early season test where it's not like you have to have all of these teams that might be fraudulent and might not. Like I think Seattle, I'm not saying the Seattle win was a bad, it's going to be a bad win when you look back at it, but I don't think Seattle is the same Seattle that at least the perception of them coming into this season was. But you'll know who the Vikings are after this game. I sometimes think it, t- it takes teams maybe like the first month of the season to figure out their true identity. Even if you're like, yeah, we're a running team. We're play-actioning. Like, even though they're still figuring out under Clint Kubiak what the identity of this offense is. Like, we know the core principles, but you're seeing it look different. It's like two different versions of the same thing from like last year's scheme with Gary running things and Clint running things. It's just like stuff showing up in different places. Play-action showing up less but in different places same thing with like protection stuff like that so now we'll get to see okay you go against that defensive front that pass rush how do you protect your quarterback like does the offensive line that we think right now hey they're pretty good they've figured it out does it go back to being like man that was a train wreck when you actually go against a good pass rush um and yeah they did in in week two with Chandler Jones and in, in Arizona and they looked they were pretty good with that but I think we'll you know, the conversation will flip if they don't perform, if the offensive line doesn't perform well against Cleveland. So it's like, yeah, you get to figure out, is your offensive line good? Is your defense finally figuring out, f- figuring it out? Can they play a complete game where they don't, you know, they had an okay start in Cincinnati, okay start against Arizona, lull. This last week it was bad start for them, and then they picked it up. But you know, how do you get there? I think it's really by way of the offense. If, if that's, the, that's the biggest question for me that comes out of this game because it's the question for the rest of the season. Does the Vikings offense have to carry the defense again in 2021? Because they've been trying to avoid that this whole time. But I also think about sustainability for your success. Like if you're going to have success from a week-to-week basis, an offense just gives you a better chance for that. I mean, we, we've seen even the best Vikings defenses just have their moments. I mean, even go back to 2016, they play Washington and lose to Kirk Cousins in that mm-hmm. game because uh, just, you know, Washington schemed up something good. I think that was Sean McVay. The 2018 defense is good, but they got smoked by Sean McVay in, yeah. in Los Angeles. Uh, Carolina 
beat the Vikings defense up pretty good in, in 2017. So there's always those games. But if you have the offense to match, like that's why you brought Kirk Cousins here is to have the offense to match when the defense isn't perfect. And that was very much the case in Seattle. And then you gave your defense a chance to just make a few big stops. Um, so, you know, I think that this team has that different about it that it appears there are at least elements of this offense that are sustainable over a full season, not – hey, uh, well, if the other team has a big defensive tackle, you just lose the football game. Mm -hmm. Like, that's been the case. But I also wonder about, like, the mentality of the team. They're talking very confidently, and they're talking about their belief in Cousins, and Cousins' swagger has now become a topic and so forth. Um, but you know, each time they sort of build up the fan base here over the last couple of years, there's always disappointment sneaking around the corner. And I think of 2019 where they were getting on a roll, and then they go to Kansas City and play Matt Moore – and they lose that game to, to Matt Moore. And, you know, I mean, ultimately it cost them a chance to be in the race to win the division at the end of the year. The same thing with the end of the season where they played uh, Green Bay. It was oh big home game, Green Bay, all this. If you beat them, Let you got a chance to win the division. Disappointment right away. Yeah. So is that going to be the case here? And then we say, well, OK, you're kind of the same team as you've been. Mm -hmm. Or are you going to change that and say, you're different. You're a team that can actually step up against a great team at home with all the pressure on you. That makes me think, like, what's it going to be for Cousins this week? Is this the week where he sees ghosts? Because you know that's happened, where the buildup has been, man, you're playing great. You're playing yep. with all this confidence. And, you know, even he's kind of buying into the whole thing. I know he's saying, you know, I'm the same guy every day. I try to be, you know, never get too high, never get too low, whatever. Um, but I do think – he's hearing it and he's like, yeah, okay. They believe in me. They believe in me. Like we've, we've got this together, but is this going to be where it's a, I mean, it's not a primetime game, so you don't have to worry about, you know, the bright lights and all of that, but it's a big game that has a lot of significance. Is this where, is this where like the inevitable or what feels like has been the inevitable under cousins where he can have a stretch where he plays really great for like three, four weeks. And then does he throw three picks in the first half? Because it just kind of feels like, and I hate to be that person, it feels like that's coming, right? Like, that, I mean, he's, last 10 games, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the first half alone. Like, at this point last year, he was, you know, a pick machine. He was throwing, like, one or two a game. And I just feel like that's, it's almost like that's leering, uh, like lurking around the corner, and you can't be entirely convinced that it's not going to happen, especially when you're going against a really good defense like this, that... With all that's at stake, I mean, you got to think about how many coaches on that side of the ball, it, you know, for the defense who have, like, gone against Kirk Cousins in practice. I mean, Jeff Howard's our DB's coach. I mean, he was here for, a, like, the entirety of Cousins' career in Minnesota. Like, you don't think he's going to be trying to pull out stops on, like, exactly who the quarterback he's going against? Like, that's kind of the perfect storm, the way that this matchup is set up to figure out, okay, is this Kirk Cousins' talk? Because you know that, like, there's going to be – but the big thing I think with Vikings fans right now, they're the people who are like, we told, we've been telling you it's not Kirk's fault this whole time. We've been telling you how great he is. And then there's like the people on the other side, like the band people are like now getting on the bandwagon. Those are the loud ones who, if he, if he stumbles in this game, they're going to jump off and be like, told you so. Yeah. And that just, that, that feel like that is the first thing that's going to happen if they lose this game. And if, if he has a poor performance, but I mean, I think there is, Something to be said about that confidence, like that stuff, whether you believe in momentum or not, you should believe in the confidence that the offense is playing with right now because that's the reason that they're in games, the reason they're winning games. 
and the issue with bad games, which do happen to almost every quarterback, is with Cousins right now, they're in such a position having lost those first two games, even though it's not his fault. But how many times has that been said yeah, just over absolutely. the three-year span? of like That's where I think that a lot of people are t- sort of tired of that. Like, well, yeah, I mean, that's true. Tom Compton wasn't good in this game, but also... Like, that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, th- I think there's almost a separation of people who make it entirely about Cousins. Like, everything is about him with the entire franchise all the time versus the, the broader picture of signing Cousins and having him as your quarterback and his price tag and what it means to how good you can be and all those things. And if they have hit on some draft picks here in Ole Udo and K.J. Osborne and Ezra Cleveland over the last couple of years, this sort of strengthens what is around Cousins, which has always been the determining factor. And so it's always, a, 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 I think, a bigger picture of it has not worked um, overall. Like, you have not been a successful franchise over the last three years. That doesn't mean that he can't play well and, and have enough support to be a successful team this year. Like, yeah. I guess there's sort of a separation there of some people, like, think because he's played mostly well that it's been a success. But that's, the, like... They don't what hang, they don't hang banners to? for your quarterback exactly. play decently. Like that's not what it happens. And so, but also there's always a razor's edge with him as he, that's the word he used, but it's always a razor's edge with him where it's like it, he has to play really well for them to win most of the time uh, when the defense is not perfect. And it hasn't been over the last couple of years. And with a game like this, that's where you go. Okay. If you can play really well and drive victories on a week to week basis, uh, that will change how people feel about this whole thing. Like, I think that he's earned the skepticism of the people who are skeptical about this start. It is three games. Last uh, or 2019, he had a four-game stretch where all of his PFF grades were over 80, one player of the month, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the Kansas City game happened, and it wasn't good, and they lost. And so They don't have that same stretch, too, of – when was that Kansas City game? Early November? Yeah, that was Giants-Eagles, Detroit-Washington, yes, four of the worst teams the in the league. The thing is, they do not have or that defenses. same sort of, like, give me October, yep. is what I'll call it, of, like, the NFC East nonsense and Detroit. Yep. I mean, they've got Detroit. They've got Carolina, and Carolina might actually be okay. Their defense is decent. But their defense yeah. is decent, but they lost J.C. Horn, and now they've got, like, new cornerbacks and, yeah. you know – what do they look like six weeks into the season when the Vikings play them versus like the three weeks when they beat up on Houston, yeah. the Jets, and, right. you know, they, got, they caught the Saints slipping. So I mean, Isn't that why like, this is so important? Yes, like, that's that's because like we can ch- – the goalpost moves at different points of the season based on like how, how your opponents are playing too. I think that's what you have to factor in. So it's like get the wins where you can, but also get your statement wins. Don't think like, okay, well, we didn't beat – you know, we didn't beat Cleveland – it's okay because we got all these other like wins to like make up for it. No, like this is a chance to establish your dominance early, establish that you are a good team and that Kirk can sustain this thing and that it's not like the predictable leveling off that it typically has been when you come, when you have like, you know, some, some weaker opponents, non-playoff opponents that you end up beating up on and then you get to a good one and you, and you can't come through on it. Right. Uh, And that has been so much the story of this team since he arrived. And so I think it's always fair to say like, that's the reality is that there's always around the corner, a disappointing performance, a game that's uh, really meaningful to the, which direction their season goes. 
and you don't get the play that you paid for or that you hoped for from him on a consistent basis. It's the moments you hired him right. for the for these moments, these right. games. Right, that, and that's that's exactly it. Like, you didn't hire him for the end-of-season quarterback rating. Like what you hired him for was to win games against good teams to yeah. be a real contender. So that's why it's like, do it here against uh, Cleveland. Now, interestingly, so I, I will look at betting stuff, not to bet, because I am uh, terrible at I have no things like that. Do. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand gambling very well, and I just feel like I don't want to lose all of my money. Um, and I hate, and I hate to lose too. like even playing on the chess app. If I lose to a bot, I'm upset, but uh, I look at PFF and their win probability for these games. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have in terms of win probability, Cleveland 59.8% chance to win, which is pretty high. Like they are giving Cleveland a lot of credit here. Do you think that we're not giving Cleveland enough respect or uh, to, to be saying that the Vikings should win this game. Um, Cleveland is favored on the road, which yeah. you know doesn't always happen. And they didn't um, open up that way. The Vikings opened up as like barely one-point favorites um, yeah, now at it's home. Changed. Now it's shifted. ESPN's FBI, has it's a little bit closer. They think it's going to be a, a, you know, a very close game because mm. Cleveland, like Caesars has them as two-point favorites. Our FBI has Minnesota – by like 0.5 so like 51 percent chance like win probability so I think it will be a very close game I actually my picks are out now I picked Cleveland to win 24 20 does that mean that I don't think the Vikings can win no I really do think that they will win or I do I do think that they can win but I think Cleveland has a better defense Top to bottom. You look at that pass rush. Like that's that in itself. Like you better not be trying to go five, you know, five straight up with your offensive line. Like this has got to be a big weekend for your tight ends in terms of pass blocking. But beyond that, I think the back end of their defense has it figured out a lot more than Minnesota's. And when you look at the injury report and see Bashad Breland was out with an illness, Mackenzie Alexander is MIA with a personal reason. Like, what does that's been the weak spot for them the last few weeks? And, you know, Baker Mayfield is a different type of quarterback. He's not going to be, I don't think you're going to be seeing these plays that like get behind the last line of your defense the way that that touchdown did with Seattle um, in the big 15, 20 yard plays that they gave up early on in the 2021 season but I still think that Cleveland holds the edge defensively on this team so can can you like what they said last week can your offense be your best defense like can Kirk and, and the rest of that group stay out there for 23 minutes in the second half to try to you know ride them thin and you know hold on and win the game I think that's why they think that this game is going to be as close as it is and, and so I'm looking at the just uh, team rankings from PFF and where they sort of combine a bunch of factors and say how good you are. Uh, the Vikings are 10th on offense and 18th on defense, which I think is very fair. Yeah. Um, I think that they performed well last week on offense, but um, against Arizona, there were some uh, potholes that they hit in the second half. And against Cincinnati, obviously, they really struggled in the first half of that game. Uh, so I think 10th is totally fair. It's not like they've been start to finish this unbelievable juggernaut like the 98 Rams or something. Um, or uh, 99 Rams, 98 Vikings. Uh, defense 18th is totally fair to me. They have Cleveland as second offense and fifth defense. Our rankings have them, I mean, they basically I think they're going off like points and yards. Like they're two top 10 offenses for sure. I think the Vikings are more explosive on offense. 
Is that Cleveland? fair? Do you no, think that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Not, yeah. I mean, I mean points, points and yards are different from how PFF is doing. Sure. It. PFF is doing it more by their performance, like their grades and stuff. And like the way that. that they use their running backs is probably more explosive than Minnesota's. But I think Minnesota's passing game can be more explosive off of the play action because I mean, Cleveland is for as much as we like to like claim that these offenses are pretty much the same. They're not using play action very much in Cleveland. Not nearly as much as like the percentage wise uh, versus when like Baker's in shotgun, not using or not using play action, anything like that. But I think that they can string together Vikings can string together a much more explosive passing attack, and this would be the week to whip out a lot more boots. You know, move Kirk, change the launch points, do what you have to do to be able to orchestrate some of that. Roll him away from pressure because you know they're going to pressure him. Like Miles Garrett like basically like made his defensive player of the year candidate clip last week. That was against a very bad Chicago offense that had one net passing yard. I don't think it's going to be the same for Minnesota, but I guess we'll, um, you know, t- to me, I guess it's just, I say all that to say, I think Cleveland's defense will have like the last laugh in in this one. Yeah. I, I mean, I would uh, pick Cleveland as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe by a touchdown is the the direction I would go with it. Uh, because I do think that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and it's weird sure. to say that. Because I mean, they were—they're like narrowly a player, a couple plays away from three and zero, and you know the punter and all that nonsense, thinking that he's like tra- uh, Tyreek. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like trying to run in week one. They're a very, very good team in a wide open AFC North, and I think that they're still a very, very good team after these first few weeks, if not better than what I thought they were coming into the season. And now that you get Odell Beckham back, he's been back for a week. Like, what does that look like? The concern for me would be that the, like you said, uh, you make a great point that the best defense is an offense that stays on the field, but Cleveland averages 5.1 yards per carry on the ground. And they are, I believe, let me sort this real quick. Yeah. uh, They are second in the NFL in rushing. The only team that's higher has Lamar Jackson on it. So, Mm This Vikings defense has been very vulnerable to the run over the last three games here. And really, I mean, for a while now, right? But last year they had, you know, Jaleel Johnson playing. So, But even with bringing in Tomlinson, bringing in Pierce, they've still had this vulnerability that I'm not sure gets resolved. I think the only reason that Seattle didn't run well in the second half is they were playing for behind. Yeah. So they were trying to pass all the time. But Cleveland is exactly the same overall philosophy of – getting ahead and then sucking the air out of the ball and making sure you stay on the sideline. And I think that they'll be able to do it in this game. And when you look at their offensive production overall, I mean, they're scoring on half of their drives. That's third in the league. Um, In terms of yards per play, they're seventh in the NFL in yards per play. And that's with rushing quite a bit. Uh, Yards per pass attempt, they're fifth. Like they have been really explosive um, and in the run game, especially with lots of breaking off big runs yeah um and so I, I just feel like unless the vikings defense flips a switch and all of a sudden everybody gets it and like you said there's some real question marks about who's going to play in the secondary i just have a tough time thinking that they'll have enough opportunity for the offense to steamroll and i think that kevin stefanski does make a difference to me because he knows every strength and weakness of Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And I would not say that necessarily for Zimmer and Baker Mayfield. Like this is the first time they're sure. they're playing each other and uh, you know Stefanski should understand fully what Mike Zimmer is going to do on defense. So I I'm giving them the slight edge, uh but I also think if we're wrong and they win, 
then it changes the conversation about this team in a way that we haven't been able to talk about them in a long time. Yeah, they're they're legitimate at that point. And you can say, okay, maybe they were two plays away. You can you can validate the we were a couple plays away from being two and oh thing if they win this game. Right. Yep. I totally agree. So um by the way, you did a cool story on Kevin Stefanski. Thanks. Um and you have a story inside a story yeah. involving Jared Allen, and it, I would like you to tell that. It was a fun story to report. My colleague, Jake Trotter, who covers the Browns for ESPN, we got together in August, and we're like, what can we do? You know, that's not, you know, the boring, he's coming back. What are they going to say? And we were like, let's find, like, really fun anecdotes about, like, who, because we, we've collabed on stuff before, like when Kevin got hired there, and I've written a lot about his come up, and it's just, the one question I get still all these like you know all these years later after he was hired from like all the radio hits I did in Cleveland this week was about how man that's really strange for a person to be in one place for 14 seasons for sure and you know in in talking with players this week you know I did a one-on-one with CJ Ham and and we talked about that very thing because he was you know CJ credits Kevin Stefanski for the reason that he's on the Vikings because he saw him at a pro day at Minnesota um, I guess he came over, he came down from Augustana and Kevin was the running backs coach. And, you know, he got a tryout to come to Vikings rookie camp from that. And it was pretty much because Kevin saw him and like gave his name to the personnel department. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of that type of stuff. But, you know, personality wise, when we covered Kevin Stefanski, you didn't get to see a lot more than what you got at the podium. And then you hear all these things behind the scenes of, man, he's got a real dry wit, like real good sense of humor. We'll play clips from Chappelle's show on Fridays during meetings. And it's like, huh, I did not know that because we never saw that version of him. Mm-hmm. So I like was like, I'm going to find out more about this humor. I'm going to find out more about like, you know, who he is and the personality. So... I got wind of something a few years ago that, like, Kevin, when he was Brad Childress's assistant, was in charge of the rookie – there was a rookie showcase, but then the talent show at training camp every year in Mankato. So in 2008 was Jared Allen's first season here. He was barely here because he got traded in April and then goes to training camp. Well, they all have to, like – you know, they all did skits and stuff, and Jared, his skit was on Childress – and he's always late to meetings. He's, you know, kind of this gruff guy. And he was also making fun of Kevin Stefanski for being the gopher, you know, go for this, go for that, like a job where you're basically like cleaning up after somebody. And the way he phrased it to me was hilarious because I was trying to like be like, all right, well, what exactly did you do to impersonate Kevin Stefanski? And he's like, I'll just say this. Uh, I made Kevin wear a lot of different outfits in my impersonation of, and I was like, okay, I don't know where we're going with this, but I'm intrigued. And so he films this skit of basically like, just like kind of mocking the whole situation, poking fun at Kevin for being, you know, having to like keep Brad in line and all this stuff. Well, Kevin gets word of it and was like, you're going to make fun of me. Like, I'll show you and records a skit, a video skit of his own that's played back at the talent show. And so he breaks into Jared Allen's room at training camp and kind of takes people on a tour of the room being like, why are there boy band posters all over the wall in here? And then like, I guess like deadpans to the camera and he says, you know, you want to make fun of me? That's great. Blah, blah, blah. Payback's a B. And 
like t- t- pretends to take Jared Allen's toothbrush and put it like in really not so fun places on oh, the human wow. body is how that was phrased that to really me funny. from Jared Allen. And then they play this thing at the, at the, at the talent show and everyone's going nuts, including Jared Allen. He thought it was incredible. Cause you know, you guys don't know each other yet. Like you're a couple months in. And I think some people who don't have a thick skin or can dish it out and, you know, take it like Kevin Stefanski might've gotten offended at something like that. But Kevin got word of it and was like, I'll show you. I'm I'm good for some one upism, and uh, he's like that was the icebreaker. We became friends after that. So I love stories like that because you don't hear stuff about like uh, NFL head coaches and their personalities, like the way that we've you know been able to kind of see this exterior with Kevin Stefanski, where he is a CEO as a head coach, and he's very polished and incredibly smart, and the you know the Ivy League background, the whole thing. To hear little bits and pieces of you know, cracking that away that armor was really cool. I was really thankful I got to report that story. Yeah, that's great. And everything that I've heard from everyone around Kevin Stefanski talks about the way that he relates to people, and that can be one of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, even within our media room, we have a lot of uh, humorous ways that we relate to each other and um, build friendships. And I think that that is the most underrated like aspect of football is – you're around everybody for so long and it's so difficult and it's so tense and it can be so frustrating and everybody's competitive and everything else. If you don't build a bond, I think we've seen this before. And this is why this is why Mike Zimmer's talking about Kirk Cousins relating to his teammates and getting to know them better and why that's important. Because then it's very easy if you don't care about that other person to just point fingers when things mm-hmm. go wrong or just get frustrated with each other and not work through your differences. So even something small like that that is just funny yeah. and sort of showing that, you know, Kevin's a real clever and funny guy. Uh, but I, th- I think stuff like that immediately sort of endears you sure. to the people around you, which is really important for a coach. And you got to think, too, 14 seasons, he survived three staffs. That doesn't happen no. in the NFL. Like, you don't just, like, get to stay around because it's easier to keep somebody there. Like, they'll end up, you know, coaches come in, they fire everybody, they bring in their own people. Yep. Kevin survived. He was brought in by Brad Childress. He survived that firing. He was kept around for Leslie Frazier, kept around for, for the Zimmer era. All the different offensive coordinators that have come in here the last few years, Kevin was a part of, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, and he was still kept around. Like, he's he knew this team. And I think just the institutional knowledge of – not just the offense and the scheme and all of that, but the players themselves. Like yeah. what Dalvin Cook said of like, he let us be us. Think about what Kevin walked into the first week on the job in Cleveland. Was that Odell Beckham slapping the security oh, right. guard on the ass that's in right. the Superdome during the LSU national championship? Like a lot of coaches I think would be like, oh geez, what did I get myself into with all these? Like, he has celebrities on his team, like yeah. legitimate celebrities yeah. and superstars that are, you know, Getting in, in GQ in, in GQ and like you know national ads like on TV. I see Baker Mayfield on that progressive commercial every day. Like he's got personalities, and for somebody who like on the outside it looks like man Kevin's kind of dry. Like mm-hmm. you know how is he going to relate to his players? The way that Dalvin Cook talked about Kevin Stefanski, like that was a glowing review and that was authentic and genuine. And I think a lot of players have that same sort of belief and feel about Kevin Stefanski, but he's also no nonsense too. Like, remember, you know, Odell Beckham, am I going to play? Am I not going to play? Like, blah, blah, blah. Kevin Stefanski that Wednesday, he's like, he's out. 
handled it right then and there. No games. And yep. I can appreciate that about him, the way he handles injuries, the way that he handles those egos, because he's got a lot of them on his team. Oh, for sure. And I think that what you're seeing from Clint Kubiak is a lot of the same signs with Kevin Stefanski. And part of that goes along with not being uh, a big salesman at the podium. Sure. That we've certainly noticed that about Clint Kubiak. But uh, I think they have a lot of similar personality traits. And sort of being even keeled that way, I think, is a very positive trait. Um, I saw Urban Meyer this morning already oh, sort gosh. of setting himself up to claim that he's having um, health physical issues, issues yeah. to walk away from Jacksonville. He didn't look great at the podium last night. No. I saw that press conference. Well, you know, I mean, when you sort of sell your way to a bunch of five-star recruits or do whatever it takes in Florida to set yourself up um, for Ohio State and then – you know, it all comes crashing down. That doesn't sound like X's and O's scheme no. like the NFL. So I guess we're finding that out with uh, with Urban Meyer. But anyway, that's a different conversation. So uh, great stuff, Courtney. Thank, Thank you, you for that. And people should go to ESPN.com and find your story about Kevin Stefanski. Um, it's really good stuff. And we will talk again soon. And there will have been another football game. And I'm excited for it. This is a big one. Football.